Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shit podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. You know, in my practice, I cannot tell you how many people have come in over the years and had no idea that they could just say no to someone when they were asked to do a favor or simply stop doing something just because they've always done it. And they've done it mostly because they felt obligated to do it or somehow convinced themselves of some faulty belief, like if they didn't do it, nobody else would. Or told themselves, it's just easier to do it because other people don't know how to do it the right way. And they would end up not liking how it was done, so they'd have to end up doing it anyway. Or even worse, they would be afraid to say that they could not do something because then others would be disappointed, angry, or even not like them. They might even feel guilty or selfish if they said no or did something for themselves instead of doing something for others. Likewise, I've had a number of people struggling with letting go of the need to be and do everything perfect. Now, this is especially true with many people who have disordered eating, eating disorders, or body image issues. They're just chasing perfection. And if they don't look it, then they're a failure. And if they have not achieved it, then it's their fault. And some even believe that they can only be truly happy once they look perfect. Or their whole day revolves around following all of their eating disorder rules and rituals to perfection. One slip or minor deviation can lead to extreme anxiety and an entire day of feeling off. And if you can relate to any of what I just said, then today's show is just for you. And our guest today is here to discuss more about the struggles people have in regard to people-pleasing, perfectionism, and setting and maintaining clear, healthy boundaries. This is not a show to miss. Ryan Lindner is a personal development specialist who has worked as a behavioral coach for clients in top organizations all over the world. After two sudden unexplained cardiac arrests at a young age, he began to explore different perspectives with clients that come with any profound life-changing event. He has conducted thousands of coaching sessions, has led operations for a major leadership and organizational change company, and manages learning and development projects for companies to reshape their customer experience. Ryan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Excited to chat. So uh, I really love having you on because you do have some experience that I think a lot of our, the guests listening today can relate to, but you also have a topic that I'm really excited to get into as well. So I'm just wondering, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself so the listeners can get to know you? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I've been a, a coach for almost 20 years. Um, I specialize in transitions. So a lot of identity issues, uh, as an example, someone's going through a retirement, they've been in the same career like a soldier for 30 years, and then they go through this, well, who am I after after I'm a soldier? And um, you're still you. And uh, you were a you before you were a soldier, and you'll, you'll be you after you're a soldier. And um, I work with a lot of those uh, transitional uh, issues. 
Um, and I also work a lot with busyness and, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate sort of on that to-do list and help helping people get unstuck. Um, I've done thousands and thousands of sessions, did about 6,000 sessions for the military. Um, after I worked with individuals, um, I started working with organizations and retraining their, their, um, employees, uh, to positively affect company culture and wellness and, and, uh, reduce turnover and things like that. So, uh, it's all about change and helping people through that. So, uh, and personally, um, I know you can relate to some of the listeners as well, which, um, you know, I think it's always interesting when I have guests on here who um, can can relate a little bit to what the podcast I have is about. Um, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing a little bit about your journey with that as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, I was, uh, it, am uh, introverted, um, almost off the chart, like, you know, on the Myers-Briggs, I was always, you know, very dominant in, in the introversion. Most of my clients out of the thousands of clients I've done, they, they would never guess it though, because I'm not shy. And I know there's, you know, there's a difference between introversion and shyness, but always very quiet natured, always introverted, um, grew up with just crushing anxiety, um, people pleaser. Um, I had a ton of image issues, um, had an eating disorder myself, uh, uh, and I think as a male, it was harder to relate because I, I, I did know several females with eating disorders, but I actually never knew a male growing up with an eating disorder. And it was, um, I was at times, you know, made fun of and, uh, you know, it started with being uh, made fun of for being just slightly overweight. And, and then, um, it created this, you know, being this quiet sort of introverted guy, I just, really, I, I basically stopped eating, um, you know, a, a lot and I lost just a ton of weight and, uh, that cultivated a kind of a, a big addiction to exercise too, because I thought, you know, well, it's so hard for me socially that, you know, maybe if I am in just phenomenal shape, it was something I could be good at and I could feel good about myself because at least I can control that. Right. Um, and there was a lot of people pleasing as well. Uh, always felt like I had to earn my worth by doing things as my love language as well as, as acts of service. And uh, I always felt like my my worth had to be earned in some way. And so up and through my 20s, it was really, um, I'm in my low 40s now, it, it was, um, I did just whatever I could for people. And I thought that would make them like me. And until I learned how to detach in some way and really pay attention to the dialogue that was going on in my own head, um, you know, how you, uh, how you think about yourself often manifests in your behaviors and how, how other people see that. So I had to really get, get my, um, get, you know, take care of myself first. And once I started taking care of myself, um, I was actually better at helping others. Uh, so interesting. So probably maybe people listening going, well, how did you figure out you needed to take care of yourself going from like, gosh, I want other people to like me and I need to be something other than what I am to, oh, wait, let me focus on me and take care of me. 
it, it was it was tough. I, I think you know you you go th- things get so dark and you just say you know there's there's got to be a better way to do this. And I, I was always and this is why I got into coaching too. It's really that you know the the helping people aspect of it. And I found I could relate to a lot. You know, a lot of my eighty percent of my clientele are female, and uh, most of them are just crazy busy. You know, just super busy, stress a lot of you know a lot of their parents. I'm a parent as well. But I, I, that's the, the, they, they gravitated towards me. I could relate. Um, and I think it's about, um, treating yourself as, as, as if someone you, you're someone you care about, right? Um, most of, a, a lot of us, uh, struggling with this, we, we would never treat someone we love like that. We would never treat a friend like that, but that's the way we, we speak internally. And I think what what helped me sort of the catalyst that allowed me to get out of that was sort of this, you know, mindfulness is a hot topic right now, but this was before it was. And it was really, I can't do this anymore. You know, like something's got to give. And what you don't accept, you are saying that you are willing to carry it forever, or, or what you don't address, you're saying you're willing to carry it forever. And I just, I just said, yeah, I, I can't do this anymore. And I, I get to choose how I'm going to show up in the world. And one big catalyst for me was I had a, a two, two cardiac arrests and um, sudden, just sudden. Um, uh, and I've seen every specialist, Mayo Clinic kind of stuff. Um, and I have a pacemaker now. So I was just walking along one day and just, just dropped. And that completely changed the way I think in that when you go through a trauma or um, you really appreciate what you have, you prioritize your energy differently. So I began to, you know, that's all time management is really. It's just the prioritization of your energy. And I just said, you know what? All the worrying, all the self-talk, all the all the stuff I went through, I don't have time for that. And uh, there was a decision about, you know what? Um, not only do I not want to be somebody else, but what would it would it be cool if you just loved your introversion? Like a lot of people try to, they spend their whole lives trying to be this other person they think they should be, right? But once you own it, once you say, not only, again, not only do I, there's nothing to fix, what are the advantages to being you? And I have found a lot of advantages to being introverted. Introverted people tend to be more introspective. Um, Sometimes they, um, they are not in some cases, uh, not as reactive. Um, a lot of times they're good listeners and there are a lot of, so to answer your question, I think it was really putting in perspective what was worth and not worth my time. And then really looking, looking at what I could be grateful for about myself instead of chasing this version of myself that really wasn't me, if that makes sense. Totally. And my goodness, like you said, you had two cardiac arrests. 
Yeah, they, they were a day apart. But after that, they decided to give me the, the pacemaker as a little safety net there. So, <laughs> so that must have been very terrifying. It sounds like all, life altering, obviously, but um, yeah. just to come out of nowhere and out of uh, nowhere. When I mean nowhere, I mean nowhere. I, I was a, you know, I started my career in wellness, personal training, you know, the exercise and all that. So I ate well, non-smoker, you know, you know, all that. No family history. Um, I just felt a little strange, and I looked to a, a woman standing next to me, and I said, "I'm going down now." And you know, my vision started to close in, and I woke up in the ER with people rushing around like it was from a movie, you know, and it, it was terrifying, but. I think it it pulled me into the present moment and I became really clear about what is and is not worth your energy. And uh I, I think you you appreciate you appreciate things about yourself when you go through that. Um you appreciate um you know what you won't be able to move forward unless you own who you are and have gratitude for that person you know we're we're all going through stuff and uh, you know we're all people and i think once you you love that person you know and there's there's no one else i'd rather be but it really does put it in perspective for sure i'm curious because i know you know there's this like you said you didn't have any of these red flags for somebody who would have a heart attack and you're so young still and just seems like a shock, right? Um, yeah, yeah. There's always this misinformation out there that if you're doing all these quote unquote correct, right things, living this lifestyle, that obviously you you having a heart attack is quite shocking. Um, and so do you think any of that was related to you trying to become this person you thought you should be in the way you were going about your lifestyle? Like that may have contributed. And so that also brought about some changes in the way you maybe were with your eating disorder or your exercise? That that's all crossed my mind, and and I've again seen all kinds of, of, of specialists. Um, still, still a, a little bit of a mystery, but um, the the closest thing they can, uh, um, they're thinking maybe it's electrical electrical problems. But I I don't know if that's what caused it, but I did go down that line of thinking like was the the way that I treated myself in the past. Did that have any bearing on this? And I thought about what was and was not worth worrying about all those years of anxiety, the years, you know, I carried it. And, you know, most people spend their whole lives living either in the past or the future, you know, the past pain they're carrying around, they can't let go or future anxiety. And all it took was a decision to say, I'm done with that. And, you know, ev everything that matters is, is, is I already have, you know, uh, my, my family. And, and I, again, I think a lot of those symptoms, I would say the, the anxiety, the, the things that we're coping for, you know, the, that causes the eating disorder or contributes to it. Um, a lot of that for me was the result of um, not, yeah, not knowing my worth, not not realizing it, um, looking for approval in others, and I I didn't even have my own, and and that was the 
that was really eye-opening for me is it 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 doesn't matter what those those people think of you. And once you truly own it and appreciate it, a lot of those symptoms dissipate. They really do the anxiety. I mean, I can get up on stage and and talk. And that was something I could never do before. Never. Oh God, it would be terrifying. But it's just me not needing that. I don't need the value from other people anymore. And I, I have over the years worked a lot with people on boundaries and um, it is, you know, I, I know there's this a lot of times guilty feeling when people, maybe there's some listeners who can relate to, um, you know, you're a people pleaser perhaps, and you feel like, um, you know, that's how I earn my value. But what you find is that if you take care of yourself first, it's like what they tell you on an airplane. If you take the oxygen first, right, you can, then you help others because otherwise you're part of the chaos, right? So if you take good care of yourself, you, and I've seen this with many, 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 many clients, if you take care of yourself and be your best self, you will be better for other people. You will. And so but your own wellness, how, how good are you going to be helping other people if you are struggling like that? And that's, like, you know, that's the interesting part, right? Because I think people will kind of like, oh, no, like if I put myself first, I'm selfish or, well, how can I possibly, you know, take time to go do X, Y, or Z for me when, you know, this person needs this or my kids need this or there's this going on, like, I, you know, I'll feel guilty or I'll feel selfish like not possible. There's not enough time. You, and I think that comes from being secure in who you are and your, and your own self-talk. And it's okay if you can't do something and you know what, you can give people permission not to like it and that's okay too. But once it's detached from your value, you know, how people feel about it has no bearing on my value because you can't please everybody. And there's been a lot of times in my life where I've I tried to please people and it, it and it didn't work. And then I'd be like, well, was I not good enough? Like I, I tried so hard to please people and they're still not happy with me. And I realized quickly that you you really don't have any control over how other people feel about you. And some people aren't gonna like you no matter what you do. But you have to ask yourself, and this is the way I, I think very I think I'm I think things through very like logically, you know. What does it really matter if someone is dislikes you or, you know, what does it really matter? And it, and it doesn't, you're still you, um, you know, whether you were able to please them or not, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's still a journey. I mean, it's still a journey. I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's just being constantly aware of how you're talking to yourself. So that, I mean, that's an interesting concept of, you know, sometimes people will say, you know, I need people to like me. That's my whole purpose is I take care of everyone else. And, you know, you're talking about transitions, like how to transition out of maybe that identity of being the person that does everything for everyone else or is the go-to person. And like, do you work with people on how to, 
stop being that and realizing like you can have another purpose in people's lives, or maybe you're teaching people to treat you that way because you're always saying yes and always sacrificing and like they're not really getting to know you. You're just there to do for everybody. Yeah, I and and um I I do encounter that a lot as well, is most people think they are a role or they try to be a role and not a person. And and that, you know, and every day we're roles all day long. You know, you're a parent one moment and you're, you know, a, you're going to work and you're whatever it is, the next uh, a manager or whatever your, your job is. And we spend our whole life trying to be this role. And then we realize our value never comes from that role. But that's, that is the culture that we're in. I mean, if you meet somebody, the, the first thing they tell you is, or the first thing they ask is, so what do you do? Or, or you ask about someone and they give you their resume. No, that's not you either. That's about you. That's not who you are. Who you are transcends all that. Um, who you are is, is beyond the, those roles. So what you can do with other people is you can be a person, right? And that shifts it from being transactional to more interactional to where you're present with them. And that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. And, you know, when I've worked with clients on, on boundaries and identity and those types of things, it's really about exploring, okay, well, what does it mean to like, who am I? What does that mean? What is my purpose? Right. You know, even if you think your purpose is helping people, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of nurses, for example, and they'll say, well, I love being a nurse because uh, I can help people. And that's my purpose. My purpose is to be a nurse. No, the, the nurse is a role. You, it, it's what you do in that role. That's an extension of who you are. You can help people without the role. You can help people that that's who you are. That's an extension of who you are. Are you, a, if you're on a deserted island, are you still a nurse? No. That was a role and 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 uh that, that you've lived in your life. So it's and there's lots of exercises we do, but it's really about stopping the chatter, the noise, um, and being present in, in their daily lives and, and being honest with themselves about what they can actually do and what they cannot do. Because if something doesn't help you, it hurts. If if you are overextended all the time, you know it's it's like a balloon. You you blow up and you blow up. It's going to blow out at the weakest point, right? And and that's what happens when you're overextended all the time. You there's no recovery, and eventually something's got to give. So it's about getting honest about what you can do, and what you can't do. And if you were honest about that, then you can say, you know what? If people don't like it. And I've been honest with them. I give them permission not to like it. And I'm okay with that because I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with a better, with other people. And I'm going to be a better person because of it. And I'm going to help people. I'm going to help them better because of it. Bring up a great point too. People don't like you or they're angry with you because you set a boundary for yourself to take care of yourself. You really have to wonder, like, are those healthy people to have in your life? Why would you want them in your life? That's a fantastic point. 
And it, I think it's a, it's a revealer, you know, you know, if someone cared about the real you and not just the role, it, it, if, if they're treating you like a means to an end of some type and they need something from you, then they're, they didn't care about you to begin with, but people you love and that love you, your friends, your family, they're going to understand, you know, and I've had several people, you know, and I'm sure other people can relate as well who, yeah, they weren't happy because I was honest, but do, do they, do they care about, it's why people leave jobs, right? They, they feel like, um, they're, you know, companies, a lot of times hire roles and not people. And that's why a lot of people quit. You know, that's one thing I've done is I track turnover for companies and determine why, why that's occurring. And I retrain them, retrain their leadership. And it's all about, um, realizing that these are people and you have to connect with them as individuals and not just treat them like roles. So, yeah, I mean, if, if people, you're absolutely right. If people care and they're people worth having, um, <clears throat> it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And they're going to love you anyway. You don't need to earn, earn your worth, you know? Um, like for anyone listening out there who's really struggling and they, they can't imagine saying no, or they can't imagine not feeling guilty for saying no, they're just listening that's going yeah that sounds great but no (laughs) yes but kind of thing like do you have any suggestions or words for them that might get them on a different path i have found it it all starts with your internal dialogue and how you feel about yourself because that's always going to reflect other people and i recommend you you plug in and find something that works for you to some sort of it could be meditation. It could be something that, that keeps you still because what's, what's happened is, is you've developed habits over a period of years and it's, it's not, there's nothing I could tell you that would be an on off switch that would, you could wake up tomorrow and it's going to take, you know, again, you've had years of these habits of the, the self dialogue that you didn't realize, you know, was going on. And it took a commitment. A lot of my clients experience this. I've experienced this where I really had to plug in every day and show up and show up for myself every day. And um, there were, it could be an audio exercise. Maybe it was meditation. Maybe it was just stillness. Maybe it was um, just sitting for 10 minutes. It's something. And I tried to get in the habit of just being aware just just awareness not even stopping but just being aware of how i was thinking and then eventually i was able to to detach from it as almost as if it wasn't me talking in my head like that i i would look at it and say oh there i go again there i go again and am i talking about anything that is true or am i just you know, a lot of people, oh, you know, something didn't work or they failed in something or they made a mistake and oh, I'm, I'm a loser. I, I can't do that. I, I, you know, it's all that, that talk. And I, I started to ask myself, does this help or does it hurt? What's true about what I'm saying? Or am I just, you know, going off on a tangent or is it just the noise? But you first got to be aware of it. 
And, and once you get in the habit of doing that and you go almost like you're not even taking it seriously, like, um, there I go again with the internal dialogue. And, you know, I, I don't believe it. That's just a habit. And it, it took a, a daily practice. Journaling has been helpful. Um, for a long time, I did workbooks as well, just, um, and I can recommend some. But it's it's really generating the awareness first, because if the awareness isn't there, again, you've had this habit, you know, for years and years and years and years. And most people, sometimes their whole lives, they're not they're not aware of it. And I, I don't know about you, you know, when I had my eating disorder, my mind was so occupied with all my eating disorder thoughts. I didn't even have the ability to access what I was really thinking underneath all that. It was a great distractor when I was just focusing on, you know, all the, what I needed to eat, couldn't eat, feeling guilty, fitting in the rituals, the routines, the whole feeling bad about myself, like all the eating disorder talk was so loud and kind of masked it all that um what was underneath there when that all cleared up was needed to be accessed right I was like yeah. um I don't know if you found that too but that was very interesting work yeah that's a good point I, I would say a lot of the people I've worked with and myself uh, included in my past there's a lot of people who struggle with this they they have perfectionism mm-hmm. and so their their um expectations are so high and if they don't meet those then it gets worse and it's a repeating cycle. So a lot of the clients I've seen who've been successful, they treat, treat it. It's, it's just a shift in your, of how you think about it and how you approach it. I had a lot of success with treating everything like an experiment and every day is a redo. Every day is a redo. Again, it's that, that internal dialogue. And so if I don't get something perfect today, that's cool. Let's try go again tomorrow. And again, and again, unlimited redos. And give yourself that grace. Give your, how would you help a, a friend or a family member struggling with this, right? You would give them a lot more grace, a lot more th- grace than you would give yourself. And so, again, treat yourself as if you're a person you care about. And for me, it was, okay, I don't care if this takes me, it's unlimited, unlimited redos, give myself that grace. And I no longer care if I get it perfect. It's about progress. It's about putting one foot in front of the other. Because when we're perfectionists, a lot of times we're like, I got to do it 100% now and get it right. But you're going to see results long before you don't have to get it perfect you just have to get it going and show up you just have to show up every day and that's all you have to do but i think it's just a yeah shit you're right just a shift i think in the way you, you you look at it yeah um you know i often hear people say oh if i'm not mean to myself in my mind if i don't beat myself up then i'm not that's why I do things so well, because I'm so hard on myself. That motivates me to do well. And if I'm nice to myself, I'll just be mediocre. I'll fail. I'll kind of just be like, ah, eh, you can do whatever you want. And then I won't be as successful or as good as I have been. That's what's kept me like, so whatever, high achieving. Um, 
I don't know if you've ever heard people say that, but I hear that all the time. Like, I can't get rid of my critic. That's what keeps me going. So it keeps me at this high level. I, I've seen I've seen that, and my experience is that a lot of those people are chasing happiness and approval outside themselves, and it's always fleeting that way. If, if you're chasing, it's like being being the role. If we're always trying to chase this validation outside of ourselves, um, a lot of those people ha- uh, that I've worked with, they're certainly high achievers, but it's all about, it's, it's on paper, right? And they've got accolades, maybe certifications, degrees, all this stuff. And they think all that makes them who they are. And most of those people at some point or another realized that was not true, even though, I mean, are they high achievers? Yes. But anything external, it eventually does fall away because you, and and you are also relying on circumstances to be happy. Um, Happiness is just like a state of mind, right? It's just circumstances align right now. And they make me feel good about my life and um uh but they don't it's always temporary it's always fleeting you know once something goes wrong or they don't achieve something then that dialogue starts again so even if they feel like yeah that keeps me going i i i found them deep down it's they go through this where it's like they go through feelings of oh, i feel really good about myself and then when they don't, it's really bad. So it's like a roller coaster up and down for, for years. And it's, it's, yeah, it's never lasting in, in my experience. Peace and happiness are two different things. And I feel like happiness, yeah, maybe a state of mind, but peace is really that feeling of I, I am enough now and I don't need any of that stuff to, to, to get there great state of that would be for most people to be in just to accept themselves and be feeling or to have that sense of I'm good enough right now as I am yeah and dealing a lot well personally as well with in in trauma um, a lot of trauma does something to us it it pulls us into the moment you know None of us have problems when we're in the ICU. I mean, the problem is in the ICU, but I'm not thinking about all the to-do lists. I got to mow the grass. I got to pick up. I'm not thinking about that, you know, in the ICU. And and when people have maybe a loved one pass away or get in a car accident, what what that does is it it forces them to stop and look within. And even some of those high achievers, they realize, whoa, I'm not thinking about those achievements when I'm sitting in the ICU. What Then they ask the question possibly for the first time, which is what really matters. You know, if you ask people what really matters in their life, most of them will intellectually say, then they'll understand it. Yeah, my family matters and all that, but they don't reflect it. In, in their daily life. And so what I try to work with people on is, okay, let's, 
let's not wait for a trauma to get really clear about what's going on. Let's let's think of that way now. Um, and again, if if it doesn't come from within your 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 gratitude, your your worth, it 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 will it it will be fleeting for you. It will be fleeting. So. I think again, it's just about showing up. It's not going to happen overnight. It's just about showing up every day, um, finding what works for you. And it could be, you know, still time. It could be uh, a meditation, something that allows you to be uh, present and 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 form that habit. You've given lots of great. Um you know, information here. And, um, I'm sure people listening would be like, okay, so if I want to work with Ryan or talk more about him or, um, find you, how can, how can they do that? Um, they can go to my website, um, rslindner.com, um, L I N D N E R. Um, or they can go to my book website, which is, um, halfknownlifebook.com and all my social media links are connected in there. Um, I don't actually do one-on-one coaching anymore. It's mostly groups and, and, um, but, uh, my book really delves into the, we can't see ourselves concept and really exploring the purpose of your life is to explore your life. That's the purpose. It's not to be a role. It is to explore the question about who you are. It's to fully explore that person. Um, and all that information will be on the show notes, of course. So head on over um, to the website and I'll have all that information there. Um, I don't know if there's any other kind of materials or things you could guide people toward um, if they're interested. Sure. Yeah, if they're interested, I can also, um, if they uh, mention you in, in your podcast, I can get them a free audiobook as well if they would like. Okay. Thank you. That's very generous. Awesome. All right. Um, any last words before we end? I mean, you've said so many great, wonderful things, but I didn't know if there's any last words before we um, end the show. I would say just, you know, take it a day at a time. You know, um, love yourself. You know, one, one day things will be clear and um, appreciate what is great about yourself. And there is something very unique and very great about it. And just keep showing up. That's it. That's all it takes. You just show up every day. That's it. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing all your personal information and all of this great information with the show and um, to our listeners. Thank you so much. My My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.